our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I knew that title would get most of you guys into this podcast. Well, welcome to pod, the No Bad Dogs podcast on the road. You guys are currently in my back bunk uh, on tour. You could probably hear a little bit of the, the road going. But hey, listen, I recorded a bunch of podcasts. I put them out. I ran out. And I wanted to make sure that you guys are getting your podcast that you guys love (laughs) so we're going to go over a couple things and i'm going to mainly when i sat down i said what are two things that i get the questions on the most that's what i'm going to go over or at least two of some of the questions i get over the most and then at the end i'm going to answer three of your dog training questions so um let's just get right into it first of all i want to thank anybody that's come out to the the tour so far if you didn't know Uh, We are on tour right now, as you can tell, and we're driving right now from Alabama to Texas, and and then we're doing, uh, I think we're doing, um, we're doing a spot in Arizona, where we're doing meet and greets and training, uh, and then we're doing a seminar in Los Angeles, which there's still audit spots for you guys to come and watch. So if you guys want to come and watch, you can click the link below. Every single spot that we do, we're doing a meet and greet between five and six thirty. So come on out get some new merch that's not released support the support the tour meet me ask some questions when you come out but anyway i just want to thank anybody who's already come out so far we've done atlanta and we've done florida and um life on the bus so far has been amazing it's it's really exciting to be able to do this i'm very grateful for the opportunity um the seminar yesterday in florida was was great we had uh, a sold out seminar and it was just amazing i really do appreciate everybody that's come out so far it means the world to me but what the the thing i want to talk about is so many people come up to me the majority of my seminars are dog trainers and the amount of dog trainers that come up to me and say that they started training because of me or they've started uh, um a podcast or a YouTube channel because of me is always ammunition to me. It really is to know that there are people listening. There are people watching and watching my stuff. There are people that are taking things and and initiating change in their dogs and their clients' lives. Uh, And that's what is the most impactful to me. The amount of, I mean, we were in Florida and we had dog trainers and people coming from Maine, from Ohio, obviously from Tennessee we um indiana basically the entire from the midwest all the way over to the northern east coast 
and it's just amazing. I mean, when, when, when we put something up and we go and see that, it's, it's just incredible to see people come out and, you know, shake my hand and say, hey, man, you know, I'm doing this because of you or you've helped me or whatever. That means the world to me. So it's just an amazing feeling. And it's nice that you guys are picking up on the things that I'm putting down and helping you guys out. So, again, like, people always ask me. I see all the times in, uh, in the comments and stuff, like, how do you get into dog training? How did I get into dog training? How you should proceed to get dog training? And then we're also going to go over some other dog training things that I think are going to be really helpful for you guys. I want to get into the dog training aspect. And the answer, like I had a young man, he's 18 years old. Shout out to this guy if he's listening. He came in and we get this all the time. It's like, hey, you know, how, how do you get in? What books are you reading? Um, what books did you read? How did you get started? How, how should you get started? How can you get better? And, you know, to be honest with you guys, like, I don't, I'm not like, I don't, I'm not a reader. I don't want to say I don't read ever. I don't want, I don't want to say I'm a bad reader. I just have like, I'm like, uh, like Dory on Finding Nemo. I am like, if I read like a book, it takes a lot of effort for me to sit down and focus on something because my mind is always racing. And I know that that may be not necessarily great, but it's just how I am in my life right now. I am in this really just fine-tuned locked in zoned in hard-working like state and um so anyway so i I always suggest for people if you want to get into dog training to go out and find somebody that you want to train like or get your hands on as many dogs as you can because there's so many different levels and there's so many different compartments of dog training there's so many different services of dog training in itself and I think a lot of people don't understand that they think dog training is one big thing and it's not it's one big umbrella of like if you tell somebody you're a dog trainer that means that you work with dogs but that doesn't necessarily tell me or anybody else that you're talking to I've had a lot of uber driver uh, conversations in the last uh, couple days we've been ubering everywhere but anyway it's it's something that I think a lot of people overlook where dog training has so many different flavors. Like there's obedience training, there's behavior modification training, there's service dog training, there's agility dog training. There's, I mean, the list goes on and on. There's sport ring training, um, therapy dog training, um, just basic puppy training. I mean, it just goes on and on, right? And so I think that that's the first thing that you should do is figure out what you really like. So for me, and this is what I was telling this young man that came in, I said, you know, I kind of got my hands in a couple different things to see what I liked. Like I went out, did some protection stuff. Uh, I, it's really cool, but I was like, you know, this isn't what I love. It's not, nothing I'm like obsessed with. It doesn't wake me up out of bed. Um, and then I started like, working with shelter dogs and i was like okay this is what i really love i love a problem and in obedience there's there's it's the same template there's a problem and a solution which means hey my dog doesn't walk nice or my dog doesn't downstay and then there's a solution to get there but for me the behavioral problem was saving dogs lives and it wasn't even a template of oh i just want to save dogs lives or anything like that it was just what i was naturally good at like I didn't, as you guys know, like I didn't go to school. I don't have certifications, although I do have colleges uh, help ask me to certify their dog trainers, and I get and I do seminars for dog training schools all the time. But I just kind of went out and f- I have this God-given thing, right? Like any other artist, 
And then I just am continuing every single day to sharpen those tools to continue to get better and learn and grow. And I think that that's the most important part for anybody out there that a certification is great. This is something that Michael Ellis and I talked about on our podcast a while back, maybe two years ago. You could find it here. But, you know, a certification is good for some people. Like it gives you that structure. It gives you a ton of that literature. It gives you everything that you need off the bat if you don't have anything. Like if you don't know dog training terms, if you don't know. I mean, it's good. I'm not. But there's just some people like me. Like I saw a dog with a problem, whether it was aggressive towards other dogs, it was aggressive towards people. And I'm like, hey, just give me that thing. Just let me show you. People are like, whoa, how'd you do that? And over the years, I have figured out and continuing to figure out how to explain it to people. That's why I started America's Canine Educator at the time and um, and whatever. So like I am a teacher. I am a coach. You know, I'm doing everything I can not to put dogs in my hands. I'm doing everything I can to continue to teach the owners what they need to do to be successful. Like this last seminar I did, we had eight dogs for two days um, because that's all we do in seminars is just eight. I can't do more than that. It's not fair. But anyway, you know, and and I probably touched each dog. I mean, there were some I didn't touch at all because I don't need to. Like that's the thing. And so... And, 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 and again, like this podcast kind of is inspired because the conversations we have after the fact, after the seminar, you know, we sit around, we're drinking whatever coffee's left in our cups that are cold or we're cracking beers or whatever we're doing after the seminar. And it really just is like people are groomers and they want to be trainers, but they're not good with people and blah, blah, blah. So again, like those are things like you can be a very successful dog trainer, but not work with people because you got to also really audit what success means to you as a dog trainer too because that's the other thing i see all the time is people are like man you're successful i'm like i don't i don't success for me means that like i don't have to to me to be honest like success is for me to be able to do things like this like i yes i have this bus and it's it's expensive but it's a lot of hard work it's not sleeping it's trying to you know today i literally ran around the city and did exercises with like you know what I could and you know it's it's a lot and you know I'm in the back right now sipping some some hot tea and talking on my podcast mic to you guys like it's still a grind it's still a work but pod but success to me just means that I can do things like this I can pay my bills on time I can say hey if I want to go out and work with dogs across the country with my team I can do that right so it success is like in the eye of the beholder it really so for me it's like I can help as many dogs as they can by talking into this mic help as many dogs as i can just travel the country and film it and put it on youtube to tiktok and instagram and then help a million other people that's success to me success to me isn't about a social number uh it isn't about anything else other than being like i want to help dogs and the more i travel and the more people come up to me and tell me like hey man you've helped me with my dog i'm like that is such fuel for me and a couple people looked me dead in my eyes in this last podcast or in this last seminar and they said don't stop doing what you're doing keep doing it keep doing it and I'm like yeah man I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm, I'm very fired up right now and so I don't want to go down this path of that but I'm just saying to you guys like you guys have to find what your own success is so if you want to be a board and train trainer I have board and train trainers in my facility that are very successful because they get paid professionally to work with dogs behind closed doors if you will air quotes i mean they don't they don't train the people they're training the dogs and then they train the people at the very end but you can be whatever type of dog trainer you want 
but again my recommendation is is go shadow somebody that that does the type of work that you want to do or do you think you want to do because i learned really quickly like i don't want to do protection that's that's not what like fires me up you know i don't want to do fancy obedience um just mainly because it doesn't help anybody uh and, and i don't mean that in a negative way i'm just saying if i can teach somebody how to do like competitive obedience it helps that one like i want to save dogs lives and, and again like going back to the core of why i started what i'm doing is i just love the behavioral stuff like when a dog has a problem i can't wait to get into that room with that dog and and you know, that's what that's what matters to me and that's what's important to me so again inspiring dog trainers and dog owners out there that want to be dog trainers or or are on the edge of like man how do i do it you just go and you shadow people you got to work for free you might even have to pay somebody to work for them to to shadow them just to get the the knowledge and the experience and getting hands on dogs and putting the hours in it's a lot of work but that's my recommendation is figure out what you want to do in the dog training space find people who are doing it and ask them if you can come and shadow and if they say no don't don't sit around and keep asking them because they're not gonna probably let you you need to move on and find somebody else and and you might have to travel actually matter of fact you probably will travel and those are things that you just have to do i mean luckily there's a bunch of creators out there uh, putting out content that you can learn from online but still you got to go out and get your hands on dogs so that's my recommendation um, there are schools across the country uh, obviously michael well not obviously but maybe you don't know michael ellis school out in santa rosa california um is is one that i've been to that i've seen it's really nice uh obviously michael no, well maybe you don't know michael but he does know what he's doing and uh he's 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 a great educator and trainer and he's got great trainers that work for him and, and help grow that but i mean i'm i'm saying this guys because obviously it's something that's out there people are all the time like how do you i want to be a dog trainer how do you be, how do you do it blah 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 you guys got to put in the work you got to sacrifice a lot you're gonna have to travel you got to stay up late probably gonna have to do a bunch of shit you don't really want to do clean kennels um you know all that stuff you just gotta put in the work so that's my recommendation for anybody out there that wants to get into the dog training space you know if you want to go start your own business that's cool if you want to go work for a franchise that's also cool like i don't want people to think that you have to go start your own dog training business and create content to be successful because to be honest with you not a lot of people are a good with people so you're going to be going against the grain you're going to be miserable so you may have these amazing talents as a dog handler and as a trainer but you're you're trying to stick a, a, a round peg in a square hole because you're like man I, I just can't get this people thing there's a lot of people who aren't really good with that most people aren't there's you got to have a perfect blend really to be really good with people but also really good with dogs and that's something that you you have to learn but I'm just saying so many people are hard on themselves about that you can be just as happy training the board and trained dogs helping them out behind the scenes putting in that work and then you know maybe one of the other trainers transitions so just don't be hard on yourself guys out there um who, who are who are grinding and and getting into it early and and uh working on things you know again like i i just you know find people all the time like kind of are discouraged because they 
you know, when we do meet and greets and stuff, they're discouraged. They're like, man, you know, I'm not where you are. I'm like, well, you don't need to be where I am. Well, what's the point of that? Like, I'm, I'm, I beat to my own drum, do my own thing. Nobody's going to be like me. I'm not going to be like anybody else. It, it, everyone kind of has their own path of doing different things. And I think that it's important for you guys to know because it will relieve a lot of tension that you shouldn't be building to be somebody else. You should be building your own brand and building your own training style and building your own company or building your own style working for somebody else. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to help dogs and you want to work with dogs, you can be just as successful working at PetSmart doing just that if you're a skilled trainer. You don't have to have your own company and you don't have to work for you know, a national company to be considered good. If you're helping dogs, you're doing great. Rather, it's your neighbor's dogs, your friend's dogs, it's at PetSmart, it's at another franchise or whatever. Just keep doing you. Put your head down and, and really just work hard and really just figure out the goals that you want. Now, in the future, we are going to create some sort of master class with me on how to run a how to run a company and how to grow um, and, you know, obviously how to, how to work with clients and things like that. The things that I've worked really hard at developing over the years we're going to do that hopefully next year and it probably will be an online course so we can scale it so stay tuned on that but anyway i just wanted to say that because all of the people coming out for meet and greets are there's a mixed bag of like hey man you've helped me so much um you've inspired me i started because of you that's the number one thing i started because of you and that's amazing to hear that never gets old and i want you guys to always stop me and tell me that if you see me or if you're at the meet and greets or at the seminar because that fuels me up that you know there are people watching and what i say does matter to people and it does make a difference and the other thing that i hear is some people said hey i got i had a lovely conversation with this young lady that said hey i'm a groomer I'm good with, you know, she, she was good with dogs. She's a good handler. She's been doing it for a while. She's like, I don't know how to get into dog training. I'm not good with people. I don't like talking, you know, in front of people, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't matter. You could be an excellent dog trainer behind closed doors and let somebody else do the go-homes. Let somebody else do the consultations. Let somebody else answer the phone. There's plenty of room for that. Um, so just remember that, guys. And then the next thing I want to talk about is it another very, very frequently asked question? And this usually comes in, uh, unfortunately, like in comments, like, hey, quick question. There is no quick question in dog training. So you guys can just stop doing that to all the dog trainers out there. There is no quick question. It doesn't exist. Hey, quick question. How do I get my dog to stop chewing? That doesn't exist. It's, it's a four-week program because your relationship isn't good and you don't know what you're doing with your dog in the first place. It's this whole thing. But anyway, <laughs> I, I want to get into leash reactivity versus leash aggression this came up in our florida seminar and in our atlanta seminar seminar too we just put out a brand new vlog with our atlanta seminar with the beautiful belgian traverne and uh, this dog was super leash aggressive but not actually aggressive so what's the difference so if you have a dog out there dog owners or if you're working with a dog how do you know the difference between your dog being aggressive and your dog just being leash reactive or leash aggressive which means they're only aggressive looking on the leash and you you're going to get a lot of you're going to get a lot of feedback from how the body language of the dog is presenting itself so if you go and watch that video i just put out today what's today it is november 7th on monday and go check it out links in the description below that's a perfect example of a beautiful dog in a muzzle leash aggressive but if you watch the video you watch the real intentions of the dog 
we're jumping up and down, we're kind of pushing forward, we're barking. Now, it doesn't mean he won't bite me. It doesn't mean he won't bite another dog. That just means that he doesn't really want to. You know, so if we're working with a dog that's leash reactive, they may be like, hey, I don't really want to do this, but I will if I have to because they feel like that. And I'm not going to get too much into like why these things happen. I just want to go over the difference between the two externally because a lot of people think their dogs are mean and aggressive and they're really just leash reactive. So you're going to get a lot of frustration. And the first thing you should ask yourself if your dog is reactive on the leash is how much obedience do you have? You guys hear me talk about this almost every single podcast that I put out. How much obedience do you have? How, what does your dog know? First of all, if your dog is pulling you down the road and they're barking to other dogs, you can't even address the reactivity or you can't even audit really what it is because you don't have control. So there's that like huge, huge, as you guys know. And then the other thing is, is like, when, what are you doing about it when it happens? You know, like we had a, we had a shepherd in our Florida seminar that was just barking and getting away with it for so long. Like, what are you doing about it when it happens? Like if the, if the dog's getting away with it and getting away with it and getting away with it, what are you doing? I'm going to take a little, uh, sip of my honey lavender tea here in the back lounge. Uh, I bought, uh, we didn't have any way to heat up water. We have a microwave, but we didn't have a heat up. We, we couldn't heat up water. So I bought one of those, uh, kettles. So that's a, that's a pleaser here on the bus today. We can make oatmeal and, uh, we can have tea, which I love having tea at night. Anyway, so leash reactivity is a dog that's reacting. Like if you, I always say this, but if you put a Mentos and a Coca-Cola, it reacts. So separately, it's just a piece of candy and then a soft drink or a cola or a whatever they call <laughs> a soda. And uh, so if you take a dog and you're walking and then they see another dog and they react, that means that that's leash reactivity. That's what that means, okay? So leash aggression is very similar, except the dog, it, I think the difference would be very subtle, but the, like this dog, this Deverne is very leash aggressive, which means he's thrashing, he's, he's redirecting back on the, the handler. And then if I take the leash like I did, he comes at me for a couple of seconds and then he stops. So typically leash react, so there, it's a very fine line in my opinion, and I'm getting granule, but leash reactivity would be if I took the leash, the dog turns around and wants to go back to the owner. Leash aggression is the dog looks a little bit more aggressive, redirects on the handler, thrashes a little bit, and then I take the leash and then he does try to come after me just to nip me and try to get me away, not attack me. That's like leash aggression because then two seconds later it's done. Now real aggression, like a dog's just being aggressive, is a dog is constantly coming after me. And you've seen those videos, they're very rare, but they do happen. The dog just constantly comes after that person. And then typically towards other dogs, the dog is silent. So if you have a dog with a bite history and they just lock in on other dogs, they don't make a noise, they just see other dogs, they perk up and they track, they're hunting, they're prey driven. That typically means they're just aggressive. They just wanna go after that dog and try to kill it, maybe, I don't know. But it's a big thing, like there is a big, Major, majority of the times and the majority of the conversation for most dog owners in particular and the biggest takeaway is if your dog is barking at the end of the leash that doesn't mean that they're aggressive or mean that just means they don't know what else to do and you haven't got, done a good job at outletting behaviors right so if you have a dog that's just constantly like this you know we were working with this one cattle dog in florida and this you know the, the guy worked a lot 
so he was reactive but these dogs are powerhouses they need stuff to do but you know they're, they're making changes to get better but I, I would just also say that leash aggression and leash reactivity are also extremely preventable from the handler real aggression is not the dog just doesn't like other dogs and if that dog gets a hang of gets a hold of another dog it's not going to help but if you're outletting a dog that has a lot of pent-up energy and it's going crazy on the leash but you have you, you're not doing anything with the dog in the first place during the day it's your fault or if your obedience isn't good it's your fault if you're not correcting the dog or giving the dog another option to be successful it's your fault right so all of that leash reactivity and all of that leash aggression is all predicated off of how you're handling the situation and again go back to the video i just put out or any other video reaction no correction reaction no countering hey let's do this instead um and then there's just exposure like that dog in particular had never been handled by anybody else they've never seen their dog ever in in the hands of somebody else and that's something i was able to do in less than an hour less than 10 minutes maybe i, I can't remember definitely less than an hour um just just by taking the leash and walking away and just kind of holding the dog i didn't necessarily correct the dog when he came after me i just kind of held him back and then and then he turned into more like okay i want to go back now i don't really want to go after you so there's a big difference there and um, i think it's important for you guys to know and yeah so hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast so far i know it's short and sweet but i'm on the road I brought my stuff just for you guys. I'm going to get into your dog training questions now, which I'm excited about. If you want me to answer your dog training questions, all you have to do is head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review right in the review, uh, obviously, spot and leave your question in there. All right, this comes from Cheryl96, Nervous Pup in Training. Hey, Tom, I've learned so much and continue to learn from your content. It inspires me to better myself as well as friends and family when they ask for help. I'm considered by... I'm considered the dog person in the family. I recently started hand feeding my two dogs and walking them separately to work on training. One of the two has a very hard time engaging with me outside. She has always had a hard time outside. I feel like she may have poor genetics and she's been like this since I got her at six months. She is now three. I'm only working the heel outside. My question is, is, is looking for eye contact asking too much for a dog that's overwhelmed by an environment? What can I do to help her feel less overwhelmed about being outside we walk three times a day and sometimes her tail is tucked the whole time appreciate the feedback i don't it, it depends on the dog's motivation too like it's not it's not always about the environment it also comes down to the dog's motivation like if you're outside with a dog that is stimulated and is distracted and that plays a role for sure but if they're not motivated, that also plays a just as big role, in my opinion. So if you have a dog that goes outside and they look left, they look right, they're like, wow, there's a lot going on, their nose is to the ground, their tail's tucked, they're nervous, they're scared of the cars, whatever the case may be, but then they're also not that motivated, so you can't really take their mind off things. But I, I guess more importantly, in your situation, you can't teach them how to look or focus on you, because that's important. So I would be working on the look or focus externally. I mean, um, out of that context and then try to transfer it outside i don't think it's inappropriate or i don't think it's unfair i just think you'll have to really work on it in increments um so get the dog to look at you move forward and then break um making sure your dog is ha has a nice break all the time um 
yeah, one to three minute increments. I would lessen that. That's what you're doing right now. I would lessen that to like 10 second increments and then break 10 second increments and then break and then building that out. So if you're going one minute, one to three minute increments and your dog isn't focused healing because they're nervous, that's a good, that's, that makes sense. I would scale that back by like 10. Yeah, it's a good question. All right, we're going to get into the next one. D Brownell 2000 episode 148 great episode exactly what we need to hear a week ago my i think belgium Malinois attacked my five-year-old german shepherd completely out of the blue now they fight almost every day thanks for the great advice all right remote collar basics from dog training at heart this podcast and your content has changed me and my dog's relationship and i can't thank you enough see these are the this is what happens guys literally and and i don't know how else to say this without sounding a certain way but this is what happens every day like all the time and I'm so happy to hear this stuff, but I'm also so like, I'm so happy that you guys are finding inspiration and it's changing your life. And I'm, I'm really happy to hear it. I've taken on a dog training part time because I fell in love with the art of it. See, this is just amazing. This is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm working on leash with my obedience with my German Shepherd Husky Jax using the Tom Davis 280C. How do you know when you need to get to longer, con- longer contact points? I just... The answer is, is if your dog isn't reacting, if you, if you feel like your dog isn't feeling it, that's when you know. It's a pretty simple concept, honestly. I've, I always pair the advice and use the pager before putting it on to make sure they're paired, but I swear sometimes he feels it and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he responds on his working level at eight perfectly and the other times he breaks his heel to go sniff something and I'll get up to a 25 and he doesn't react whatsoever. Excuse me. He just keeps doing whatever he wants. Could his thick coat be a problem? It could be a problem. Or, I mean, it makes perfect sense, like, as far as distractions go, that, like, hey, I'm not going to do this. And then he goes off. Like, if he's responding to an eight with without a lot of distractions, and then he smells something and runs off, and then you're like, hey, he doesn't feel it at an eight anymore. It's more or less that he feels it. it. He just doesn't, it doesn't matter. I always talk about this all the time, that, like, if you're at a rock concert and talking to somebody or trying to, your voice level is going to be a lot different than if you're talking to somebody in the room. So your environment changes a lot of that. It's a good question though. All right. Building confidence team dog 15. Hi Tom. I I love the podcast and listen every week. My dog and I are connected with a local trainer who has helped me achieve my better relationship with my dog and now knows how to do the basics. Loose leash walking, sit, stay place, which has helped reactivity behavior, but I still seem to be a bit of nervous guy, but he still seems to be a nervous, nervous guy. Uh, I'm wondering what things I could do to build confidence. So we just did this with a Doberman in Florida. So I'm going to, I always reference dogs that I just worked with. And you guys will see on YouTube, of course. Dog's name is Noodle. I think uh, five months old. Five. Yeah, I think five months old. Noodle, shout out to Noodle and her owner. Uh, so confidence building. It's a great question. Confidence building. And maybe I'll just do a podcast on this for Wednesday's episode tomorrow confidence building is simple a dog is like i don't know about this sometimes that's people sometimes that's cars sometimes that's new environments sometimes that's the muzzle it's so confidence is helping your dog get over things that are realistically um not easy to get over but things that they should get over right so going down the stairs perfect example dog that doesn't want to go down the stairs because they're afraid because it's new like just like with people right people are like oh man i, I don't want to um 
go to my date or I don't want to go to my interview because I'm nervous. I've never done it before. It's like, these are things you got to do. I know it's nervous. I know you're not going to love it. I know it's not going to be as comfortable as sitting down in your room or whatever, but you got to do it, man. You got to go. So I think confidence building is just helping your dog over that hump and helping them get over certain things. So place command is a perfect example, like we saw with Noodle. Uh, So Noodle is like, I don't know about this place. I can't do it. A little bit of leash pressure. The dog hopped on there. Tons of positive reinforcement. So doing as much as you can with positive reinforcement, but not, it doesn't always have to be like obedience. So many people are like working on confidence building with, with obedience and that that's, you don't always have to do that. I would just do like, find something your dog is afraid of that you feel like is not appropriate for them to be terrified of and help them get over that with time and positive reinforcement and motivation. Yay, good job, you did it. Ding, 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 ding. Like those are things that help build confidence in dogs. The other thing is just becoming a better handler yourself. So not talking to your dog too much. Um, you, you training obviously does help. Um, but confidence really kind of also depends on the dog too. But for an example, like if a dog is just tail tucked and nervous outside, your job is to try to transition and, and, and do different things. Don't stay stagnant and do one thing. Like you might try to go on either ends of the spectrum. You might go out and be like, hey man, it's okay. Let's go. Come on. Yeah good pay him good pay him you know uh, scatter feed and throw a bunch of food on the ground good job tail starts coming out good we're moving but also that might freak him out they might not like that it might make him worse it might make him more insecure what's wrong why are you talking to me like that you might just go out put your shoulder straight put on your airpods and walk come on buddy let's go let's go right so that's important too i mean i talk about that all the time like dog training is not a black and white thing Neither is music. Neither is any other type of art. And that's the way I look at working with animals. It's very art formish. It's very expressive. Everybody has their different approach. Everybody has their different techniques. Everybody has their different message. Everybody has their different touch. Just like somebody else playing the guitar or uh, uh, making music or, or playing with a basketball or dancing, it's an art form. And so you got to switch it up all the time in order to be successful and just keep digging to find what works for you. I hope that you guys like this podcast. I know that um, it's it's not normal, right? We're, we're on a bus traveling right now. You guys are with me. But from the bottom of my heart, the No Bad Dogs podcast and the No Bad Dogs Army is growing so strong, and it, it's a really exciting time. And I just can't thank you guys enough for the support. I know that um, whatever I'm doing right now is helping you, but I can't thank you guys enough for stoking the fire because you guys are pushing me forward which ultimately is allowing me to help more dogs you guys are like hey man you know we're listening we're listening we're listening don't don't stop it's amazing and that helps me it helps me a lot being like all right you know people it does matter you know there's a lot of times guys like i'm human and there's a lot of times where i'm just like nobody's listening nobody's watching nobody cares that sucks because i'm not you know i want to that means i only get to help one dog today because they're working with me in person but when i'm putting out content and i'm putting out podcasts and putting out videos and people are coming up to me and saying the things that they're saying like you heard just here today on the one of the reviews that that means a lot to me i'm like okay i'm making a difference i'm making a difference i'm actually helping dogs and that's amazing to me and i never want that to go away and that's why i do what i do so thank you guys so much i I hope that i get to meet you guys on tour again we're doing meet and greets at every single location we're in oregon california 
Um, yeah, click, click the link below if you guys want to know. I won't bore you if you've already heard it a bazillion times. But thank you guys so much. And uh, I'll try to put another one out either Wednesday or, or Thursday for sure, but definitely another one this week. So make sure you turn on your notifications and leave me a review. This is absolutely for free. Obviously, I'm sitting in the back of the bus right now. I probably should be sleeping and resting, but I'm not. I'm doing this for you guys, holding the microphone in my hand <laughs> on the corner of my bed. Um, anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.